Hey, welcome back to E-Crime Bites, episode 12, but now it's part two, and this is Spies and Nuclear, Naval Nuclear Secrets in Annapolis, Maryland. And if you're watching on video, I've got the picture of our criminals here, and I will say this will be difficult to appreciate if you're jumping in on part two and you're not watching part one. I'll give you a quick 10 cent tour, but I really, really stress you probably should go back and watch part one because there's a lot of interesting and humorous things that happen in this case. But in a nutshell, we have a couple that lives in Annapolis, Maryland. She's a teacher at a local private high, uh, I think it's a high school, it's a private school. And he is a Navy engineer. And he, this couple thought that they were talking to a foreign nation and they wanted to sell some secrets that he was able to steal from work. So instead of the foreign nation, that they communicated with the foreign nation actually gave this communication to the FBI. So the FBI is now standing in for this foreign nation. So this couple that you see on your screen, if you're watching the video thinks they're talking to an adversarial nation that they're going to sell Navy nuclear secrets to, but actually they're, they're uh, talking to the FBI. And so we're able to see all the communication. And this is a lot, this, this episode's a lot of fun. We last left you on a dead drop where they dropped off some Navy nuclear secrets in West Virginia. And I kid you not, they put it in a peanut butter and jelly sandwich wrapped up and so forth in a park. Like I'm sure they Googled this about spies on somewhere and they got this idea and they did the dead drop and they put it there and they just left and we left you on the FBI looked at the data and they realized that, you know, it was nuclear secrets and so forth. So, but more importantly, now, is, the, the Navy now it's the Navy, the FBI rather knows who they are because they definitely observe these people um, acting as, as um, non-professionally as possible during the dead drop. So they had a pretty good idea between initially learning that they were uh, from Annapolis to listen to the episode one uh i think at this point now they were able to specifically identify them plus they'd also had remitted some money to them via monero a cryptocurrency to the tune of i think it was what thirty thousand dollars um at that point so uh let's get into it let's talk about who is our naval engineer so this is a couple named that we're going to guess on this pronunciation of their last name it's uh, spelled t-o-e-b-b-e -E. we're going to go with tobe so who is jonathan tobe so he worked for the u.s government since 2012 and it worked on matters related to naval nuclear propulsion which is absolutely as top secret as it sounds that's how the united states navy powers its nuclear subs so the propulsion systems are fairly critical <coughs> excuse me i just sneeze so he well, was assigned you, to the thank you he was assigned to the reactor engineering division of the navy which was responsible for new and operating reactor plant noise and vibration technology and for assisting with reactor plant shock technology, design, manufacturing, and testing. So I guess so these ships don't shake themselves apart. Um, he is in charge of, or, or at least a, uh, an engineer in that department. But I'm assuming that he clearly has access to lots of other components and uh, designs and other you know critical, super top secret documentation about those uh, naval nuclear subs. So he was assigned to the Bettis Atomic Power Laboratory, which is a U.S. government-owned research facility um, in the Pittsburgh suburb of West Mith excuse me, West Mithin, Pennsylvania, 
and uh, worked exclusively on the design and development of nuclear power for the U.S. Navy. And during one or both of these assignments, Jonathan Tobe had access to the U.S. Navy information passed to Country One, who had it, and then decided, we're not that interested in this, or we have what we need, and they pass it back to the uh, FBI. He was discharged in uh, late September of 2017 for end of required service, nothing wrong. But uh, he did renew his top secret clearance uh, end of March of 2020, which uh, is interesting from a timeline, Keith, because it sounds like that was the same year where the Tobe started sending, I guess, um, you know, requests to the foreign country for a, a basically a deal. Maybe they've fallen on hard times financially. I don't know. But um, he was still was, working at um, that time. It was when they uh, his his first. Um, the package that was sent to the other country, it was postmarked April 1st, 2020. So the timeline, he, he must have asked for his, his top secret clearance renewal like weeks before he sent that thing. That, I yeah. mean, this is like, this really, really lines up. It does. So Keith, bring us to end of July of 2021. There was another dead drop, this time in Pennsylvania. Yeah, so the dead drops continue. Um, the first one was in a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. This one is a little bit different. So this happens on July 31st of 2021. Both husband and wife, so you have Jonathan and Diana Tobe, go from their Annapolis residence to a South Central Pennsylvania. And if you're not familiar with the area, especially if you don't live in our country, it's a couple hour drives from Annapolis. You can get in Pennsylvania from Annapolis probably about two hours ish if you're not speeding. So it's, it's still pretty local. It's not like they're going a real far place here for this dead drop. So while Jonathan Tobe was servicing the dead drop, Diana was nearby. She's looking, you know, I imagine again, she's back to back with him looking at the seeing who's observing them and then they depart. So they, um, Notice the FBI, I say they, the FBI noticed that they arrived and departed in the area in the same vehicle used, the same vehicle that was used in the West Virginia dead drop, they're using in the South Central Pennsylvania dead drop. So, of course, the FBI now gets this dead drop and they start analyzing it. So what does the FBI find on there? Well, well, hold on. Let's take a step back. We have a, the court documents do give a little bit of detail about the nature of this dead drop. It wasn't a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. Actually, I think the last one was just peanut butter, not jelly. I take my peanut butter sandwiches with jelly. One of my kids does not. Um, this was a, uh, a 32 gigabyte SD card left by Jonathan Tobe at the dead drop. And it was hidden in a sealed Band-Aid wrapper with a Band-Aid inside a clear Ziploc bag. I don't know if that's you know more or less shit. You yeah, know they did. I don't know if that's more or less um, <laughs> sophisticated, and the the peanut butter is more entertaining. But uh, that that was the nature of this dead drop. And on that same day, the FBI went to town on analyzing this SD card. And once again, very similarly, there was a message typed from Alice from our last episode. You understand, Alice and Bob tend to be names used in cryptographic exchanges. Um, and. Yeah, so uh, this appears where the original message contained classified information uh, or restricted data on the SD card. So, Keith, I'm not sure I should read this whole thing here. Um, I was just going to say, this is a really, really long letter. And, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I mean, you'll get really, really bored if we try to read all this. Yeah, basically, out. though, she does go into 
uh, very, very specific detail as to what documents that they had provided to who they thought was a foreign nation. Turned out it was the FBI the whole time. Um, and it's like, you know, there are 374 pages on this issue. There are 1,032 sheets drawing this. So they were, this was not like small little snippets of information. This was thousands. One item is 7,919 pages. I mean, Keith, I don't know how full that 32 gigabyte SD card is, but you want to give an idea of how much data could be encapsulated in 32 gigabytes? Oh, uh, man, a lot. I mean... <laughs> I don't have exact hundreds figures, and I mean, hundreds of thousands of records. You could, could be, put you, you could know. put high definition movies on this thing and still yeah. have a lot of space. So when you have just records, you could put millions and still just have tons and tons of space left over. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the suffice it to say, the information provided was, you know, literally the most detailed levels of operational manuals and instructions and how the crew operates these nuclear subs. So if this ever got out, I don't know what the damage would be, but um, this would this definitely is extremely seditious, traitorous activity. Really, really awful stuff. Yeah, and there's a there's one thing I want to point out in here in this big long letter. There's a couple points here and there, and there's this is for the nerd in me and anybody who cares about the the technical details. But I'm going to read it and then I'm going to try to explain it. It says. I will continue to use public Wi-Fi and Tor.onion connection to Proton to prevent an adversary from watching Tor entrance slash exit nodes. Okay, there's a whole lot of nerddom in there that I got to explain. First of all, public Wi-Fi. Right there you can read. If you're an investigator, you're thinking, okay, well, they're trying to hide their tracks. They're not doing this from their home where they can easily go, hey, what cable modem does this person is behind this IP address? And again, IP address is a numerical address. We've explained this in a few episodes that identifies a computer on the internet. And these things are actually in our glossary as well. So using a public Wi-Fi, so that's, I guess, in criminal school, that's a, a plus, right? Like they're using public Wi-Fi, so they're trying not to get caught. The Tor.onion address, so Tor is this encrypted anonymizing network where basically you can send data through nodes and it's encrypted and basically it goes in one computer and kind of bounces around a bunch of computers encrypted wise and it comes out another computer or in some cases even stays inside that network doesn't even come back out to the internet if you've ever heard of like the dark dark web, web It uses, this is the technology you use to get on there. So you add the public Wi-Fi, you add the .tor or the tor.onion addresses and so forth. You see that this person or this couple is trying to, they're going to, they're doing the best they can to try to cover their tracks. And they, they tell the adversary, I mean, they tell their supposed adversarial foreign nation this, which is the FBI. I mean, it's like, this is almost movie-like where they explain they explain yeah, what this is it Dr. is. Evil that explaining that. Yeah. The other thing that struck me is at the end of the note, um, there is a little bit of an interesting set of sentences, a diatribe uh, that explains the etymology of this information and what they'd like to do going forward. I'm going to read this. So this is, again, this is the document that was attached to the SD card, within the SD card, rather, from Alice. 
Um, and it sounds like this actually might have been written by our, our uh, naval engineer, Mr. Tobe. Uh, he, my Casey Kasem, and he writes, the information was slowly and carefully collected over several years in the normal course of my job to avoid attracting attention and smuggled past security checkpoints a few pages at a time. I no longer have access to classified data, so unfortunately cannot help you obtain other files, but I can answer your experts' questions using my own knowledge if we can establish a secure and confidential means of communication. So I'm gonna pause on there. So he just admitted to stealing this stuff over the course of time with the specific intent to sell it illegally uh, and traitorously, frankly. I found that to be quite telling. So then he goes on to explain that he, he's divided um, certain items into 51 packages, all with the last 100 have, she, um, have 100 sheets each. The files contain uh, redacted information, um, meaning that's actually the court redacted because it's confidential, I'm sure, the first drawings. But here's where it gets interesting. If I understand your letter, meaning the FBI impersonating the foreign nation, Correctly, you offer an additional 70,000 USD Monero. Remember, Monero is a cryptocurrency they were exchanging um, for $100,000, sorry, for the redacted whatever. I propose the same payment schedule for the remaining files, 100,000 USD Monero each for the 49 packages, not additional for 51. In total, 5 million usd monero so remember we were talking in the first episode back they were selling out their country for not a lot of money well now we're talking about a lot of money i'm not saying i would sell out my country for five million dollars my honor is not for sale but apparently theirs was um so and they go into some detail about how the amount per transaction isn't part of security measure um and they're you know basically explaining the benefits of using uh, bait of ten thousand or twenty thousand to catch an agent are the normal activities. So they even are aware that this could be an FBI sting, but they don't feel like it is at this point. Um, new reports confirm this is a common tactic used by security forces to expose agents. Please do not be offended by this, but your generosity so far also matches exactly an adversary's likely play to entrap me. So he was actually, meaning they, were hypervigilant this whole time, and maybe they should have been because ultimately they were being had. Uh, Keith, anything you want to add on this? I just want to read this goddamn last line because it just sounds so damn funny. It says, quote unquote, my friend, we have both taken considerable risk to reach this point And with good luck, we'll soon have much to celebrate. Yours truly. <laughs> yeah. Yours truly, Alice. Yeah. All right. So pretty heavy duty traders activity. Brings us forward in time now to the um, August time frame of 2021, from August 13th, August 29th. Yet another dead drop, this time in Eastern Virginia. And this so, basically mimics the exact same, you know, previous two dead drops. Uh, there's a bunch of court documents on here. Keith, did you want to jump in on this one? Yeah, I was going to take this one. So if you're doing this geographically and you don't understand our area, I tried to explain that Baltimore is about 30 miles north. D.C. is about 30 miles west of Annapolis. Pennsylvania is about two hours-ish north. Now, Virginia is just on the other side of D.C., so you can get Virginia pretty quickly. You can, in, in eastern Virginia especially, you can get there just as fast as you can get in D.C., so anywhere from like 30 minutes to an hour and a half. So if you're doing this tri triangulation, you're kind of seeing now they've hit Pennsylvania, they've hit West Virginia, now they're hitting Virginia. 
The only thing they have is Maryland in the area. It's kind of like you can almost connect the dots that maybe they live in Maryland. So this is in the middle of um, August of 2021, and they did another dead drop. And they the FBI watches them because they now they know who they are. So they see them depart their Annapolis residence, and they go to um, Eastern Virginia. And I'm trying to look if they actually say where in Eastern Virginia, but I don't see it in this documentation. So they um, they set the dead, dead drop date of August 28th, and then they... And they paid them the other 70000 I mean, so at this point now, they've paid them a total of 100000 in Monero. Um, so there's actually been some real money um, transacted here. Don't worry, the FBI got it back. Um, but they continue watching the, uh, the the Toves again. Same exact scenario where you have uh, you know one person making the drop and then the spouse kind of looking incredibly nervously around <laughs> to see if anybody was watching. Clearly, they were watching. They didn't see that people we watched. So we had the the sandwich. Sandwich was the first dead drop. Then we had the band aid. Yeah, this and one was. now. Now we have a chewing gum package. So yeah. all shit that like a dog or a person or anybody could pick up or even the wind could blow at this point. It's just crazy. So they, um, like Seth said, they paid approximately uh, 70,000 us Monero, bringing the total paid to a hundred thousand dollars. So when we were saying at the beginning, the hundred thousand dollars seemed kind of low. Well, they're at a hundred thousand dollars now and they're asking for $5 million. Right. And then, you know, the FBI did have their own uh, internal experts or their U.S. Navy subject matter expert determine that multiple documents on the SD card did contain restricted data. Um, specifically, the U.S. Navy subject matter expert determined the document contained schematic designs for the Virginia class submarine. Those are nuclear powered uh, cruise missile fast attack subs. They incorporate the latest in stealth intelligence gathering and weapon systems technology. Uh, they cost about $3 billion per, and they are currently in the United States Navy and are expected to be in service till 2060 at six zero. So these are our current and foreseeable future weapons, uh, you know, uh, in, in the U.S. Navy from the sub perspective. So this is this is uh, pretty critical. This is not something that is to be, you know, uh, taken lightly, at least in my opinion. So the FBI looks at the data on there and there's a giant letter again. And I'm going to skip a lot of this. There's like pleasantries up front of, hey, I missed the, I didn't understand what you meant. And we almost missed each other and junk like that. But there's a couple key points in here. And this is, these are the points I want to make on this dead drop letter. First is, I'm just going to read it. It's going to say, I have considered the possible, this, this is where it gets real spy interesting. I've considered the possible need to leave on short notice. Should that ever become necessary, I will be forever grateful for your help extracting me and my family. I surmise the first step would be an announced travel to a safe third country with plans to meet your colleagues. We have passports and cash set aside for this purpose. So they're planning this. I pray such a drastic plan will never be needed, but you are right. It is a comfort to know you are ready and willing to aid us. Please let me know what I should do to prepare for this last resort. You asked if I'm at, if I'm working alone. There is only one other person I know is aware of our special relationship, and I trust that person absolutely. I was extremely careful to, con to gather the files I possess slowly and naturally in the routine of my job, so nobody would suspect my plan. 
well, until a foreign nation gave them to the FBI, but we'll set that aside <laughs> until for a that. second. <laughs> we made very sure not to display even a single one. I do not believe any of my former colleagues would suspect me if there is a future investigation. And there is just more pleasantries about um, some possible exchanges in the future and some information about not using overlapping Proton emails just for security sake. It goes on to say in the same letter, um, there's a limited amount of times I can take payment and go out to connect to public Wi-Fi. So basically he's, he's, I don't know if he's getting sloppy saying, you know, it's getting tough to go out there and hide my tracks to get my money or what it is. Um, but then it goes on to say, rest assured, I always still use Tor Onion connection to Proton and never use a coffee shop or store close to home. The irony here, just, you know, I mean, if it's not obvious, they were so concerned about the communication and the method of uh, communication in terms of using a, you know, dual secure, you know, Geneva, Switzerland, Proton email and using the Tor they didn't consider basically any other security protocols. I found that interesting. Um, anyway, the, the FBI goes on to note in the court documents that clearly Mr. Tobe was mentioning the only other person I know is aware of a special relationship who we trust absolutely is referring to his wife, Diana. Uh, we'll, we'll come back to that relationship and maybe who was committing what crimes in a bit. And then again, on the 29th, the FBI observed him yet again, you know, returning to his Annapolis residence after leaving the dead drop. So they knew it was him. And now this is, I think, what, the fourth or the third dead drop. I've lost count already. So at this point, the uh, hammer is ready to drop proverbially. So on October of 2021, a complaint was filed. Jonathan Tobe, the employee of the U.S. Navy, passed nuclear submarine secrets to a foreign country, and that his wife, Diana, assisted him. So that was coming directly from, I'm assuming, the FBI. Um, although I guess they wouldn't file the complaint. They must have handed it over to the Department of Justice. Keep me honest on that, Keith. Yeah, it came through the Department of Justice. But I mean, okay. FBI's third. Right, they're just the, uh, yeah. So um, a week later, uh, October 19th, indictment comes down. So there were three counts. So this is claimed, and by the way, this claimed it had another dead drop uh, in Jefferson County, West Virginia, uh, on that October 9th. But count one was conspiracy to communicate restricted data. Count two was communication of restricted data. And count three was also communication of restricted I'm assuming that was for uh, one spouse versus the other. And, and I would go back and agree with you and say that feels low for what they did. It felt very I, low. My assumption is because they actually never, there's no proof that they actually, well, I'll say, I mean, there is proof that they got it over to the foreign country. There's no proof that the foreign country actually did anything with it. Well, yeah. And I thought maybe, maybe they went easy on them because a year later in September 27th, 2022, they played guilty. So yes. about a year went by from the, the, complaint and indictment to pleading guilty. And, you know, I, you're the lawyer, so stop me if I'm wrong, Seth, but there's times that I've seen where there's pretty heinous crimes. It's like, especially like child pornography, right? They'll have like tens of thousands of pictures, but they'll, they'll charge them with like a hundred because 
100 is enough to put them away for life. Right? Well, it's also a backup, right? They can get them if for whatever reason it's a technicality, they can always recharge them on, on additional evidence. I mean, and that I think is not, you know, that that kind of subverts the, uh, the uh, double jeopardy rule. And I think a lot of times with these, um, when they go in and they maybe indicate that they're going to plead guilty, and I, I didn't see anything in the court paperwork here where it looked like they um, objected in, in any way. I mean, I'm sure they did. I didn't look at every motion or anything, but um, I didn't see like motions for a trial or anything like that. So maybe that's why the indictment just seems so low. As yeah, I mean, well. look, they had no defense. I mean, I'm not sure what their possible you know, defense could be other than, you know, or even frankly, mitigating efforts they could put forth uh, other than just, you know, it's a lock. And now if you're thinking that, so anyway, they count, they, they, they pled guilty to a single count of conspiracy to communicate restricted data with the idea being they didn't actually send more data because the dead drops were going to the FBI rather than the foreign nation. So if you think that they got off easy, hold my beer because it actually is pretty rough here. So let's talk about Jonathan's sentencing, which was in uh, November of 2022. So fairly recently. He got, I need a drum roll, Keith. Do you have a drum roll? Oh, I do. Hold on a second. Wait, I don't know if it's a roll. No, that's that's the joke. Oh, they we gave me two jokes. Effect. That's horrible. Horrible. All right, we're going to get a drum roll. Here, <laughs> da, 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 da. 232 months which is 19.3 years. So let's round up to 20. So we got 20 years for this. So assuming that guy is somewhere in his 40s or 50s, he's going to be an old man when he gets out. He also has to go through five years of supervised release, and he's got to go through a 500-hour drug treatment program. And now I am not familiar enough with it. We need to research this, Keith. That tends to come up often in all these cyber crimes. I don't believe all these cyber criminals actually have a drug problem. I wonder if that's just something that they tack on just because they can, and it's a pain in the ass to the uh, to the individual. Yeah, and you know, it could be maybe alcohol too, or and it may be like as part of his plea, it was you know, hey, I'm sorry I did this because I was addicted to drugs or something like that. That we just I don't didn't know. See or That's didn't have in thin. here. We'll have to research why that always comes up. Uh, I think in every single case we've looked at where we saw the pleadings, um, the actual plea uh, sentencing, it came back with a treatment program. Anywho, so let's be clear here. He got almost 20 years in prison, plus five years of supervised release, plus 500 hours of drug treatment. He also obviously had to forfeit the $100,000 in Monero that the uh, government paid him. And he also has a $45,000 fine. And I also thought that was fairly noteworthy, Keith, because we've seen other cases where the fine was like $10 million and the people there had no way they could ever possibly pay that back. Maybe it wasn't $10 million, but $2 million. But a $45,000 fine is something somebody who was a naval engineer edu education-wise you know, could conceivably pay off into his 70s and 80s and whenever he gets out. I thought that was yeah. interesting. Now, this is what I also thought was very interesting. Let's talk about Diana sentencing. So don't forget, she's not the one who worked in the naval uh space right she was a teacher the argument that we had was somebody was actually doing the communication with the fbi who she thought or he thought it was with the foreign government so mr tobe jonathan he got 232 months diana got 262 months which is over a year and a half more now it's de minimis when you factor in over the course of 20 years but we thought it was interesting that he was the one that actually worked in the uh, the Naval Research Facility, then physically stole the records. 
So why would she get as much or more time than him? And my assumption is she was the one actually running lead on doing all the communications via the Tor Onion and the, uh, the, the secure browser. That's just my assumption. Keith, what do you think? I don't know. I, I really don't know. I mean, I looked at all the court paperwork that I did for the research in here, and I came to the end and scratched my head, and I couldn't come up with a good reason other than maybe there was just something in a sealed document that did prove what you said, that she was more active than, you know, basically just being a lookout when he did the dead drop. Right. I mean, if that was the case, my assumption is um, – unless they were dedicated to not, you know, rolling over on each other, she would have gotten a significantly lower sentence. Like he was, you know, he was the one that was concocting the plan. So arguably she was the one that actually hatched the plan and he had to carry it out because he actually was more traitorous than she was because he's the one that actually worked there. Um, I, I think that is how this is leaning. Again, this is all um, us making, you know, judgments here. That's not the right word. We're guessing that she was maybe the ringleader here and he was just the, uh, the mule, but either way. So she got 26, sorry, 262 months or 21.8 years, about a year and a half more than him. Three years supervised release, not five. So she got a, break oh, they there. cut her a break there. Whoa. They cut her break. Also 500 hour <laughs> drug treatment program also forfeits hundred K. I'm assuming that is joint, um, and not on top of each other. It has a slightly larger fine of $50,000. She has to repay. So, yeah, so I, I just thought that was you'd have to combine them. If you combine his and hers, that's now what almost ninety five thousand dollars. Well, ninety seven thousand, yeah. No, yeah, because he got forty seven thousand. So, yeah, they um their lives are ruined from this, and rightfully so, uh, in my opinion. So, this brings us to our conclusion, Doctor Jones. Yeah. So I hope you enjoyed this case. I tried to put some ideas together of what did I learn from this case. First is. This every time I read this case, it's interesting to me, even though I already know all about it because you know it was in my area. You have dead drops, you have half-eaten peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, you have gum wrappers, you have proton mail, you have band-aid wrappers. It's just it's it's crazy. And every time I, I read about a dead drop, I was like, God, they had they had to have Googled that scenario. Who would have come up with sticking an SD card in a half-eaten PB and J? That's crazy. It's super random. Um, yeah, uh, I hope, you know, it did read like a great spy novel. In my opinion, it also severely echoes, parallels uh, the fantastic Coen Brothers movie, Burn After Reading. Again, if you haven't watched it, totally go watch it. It's a great movie. Um, other questions came up, though. Why were these absolutely secret documents, you know, about the very construction schematics, processes involved to running our you know most critical naval uh subs that are so crucial to protecting our country so easy to take from a classified facility um i deal with some of these issues at my own job on a day-to-day -day. uh there's a lot of things that obviously that could be done but there's some things you can't avoid um unless you want to get into draconian stuff like you know not allowing somebody to bring a phone into the office but then again maybe that's the you know criteria for working on you know top secret naval attack subs um we also are making the conclusion that not all foreign countries will capitalize on spy data i'm not so sure that they didn't capitalize on it i wonder if they already didn't know it or they like yeah this is information that isn't that helpful to us or we kind of already had this information because they sat on it right for what six months 
episode one, we know there's a time gap of six months from when the Tobes first sent their initial package to the foreign government and when the foreign government then kicked it over to the FBI. So my suspicion is they analyzed the shit out of it and determined it to be of minimum value. Or they just never got to it and like, oh, shit, we got this package. Let's send it out. We're not going to deal with this because um, it could be looked at as an act of war. Right. So and, and this was prior rush Russia war, too. And it could be we don't even know what. nation. I, it was I, 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 yeah, we could don't have been Russia, but, but could have been China, could have been North Korea. We have no idea who it was. Right. Um, but the. Um, oh, I just had a brain fart. The. Oh, sorry, I have to cut that out. I just had a really good point. I, I lost it when you said oh, that. It'll come back to you tonight <laughs> while you're eating dinner. <coughs> it totally will. Um, so I wouldn't necessarily go with that. Not all countries um, uh, will capitalize on spy data. We're not sure that this one did or didn't, but uh, they definitely did turn it over. Um, one of the higher sentences we've seen, right? This, you know, they each yeah. got roughly 20, 21 years. Which brings the last point. Why did she get more time than him? So again, my only explanation is she was the ringleader here. He was just a mule. Um, Keith, any other closing thoughts on this one? No, no, it was a pretty interesting case. I enjoyed it. What do you think, Seth? Yeah, I mean, really interesting. I thought, especially given that it, it was so close to literally where you live. And um, again, for me, it's just the uh, the brazenness of. Again, they weren't recruited. They weren't, you know, um, groomed by, uh, an, you know, a an, an foreign government to try to entice them, you know, which is, of course, something that we have seen in, in you know, uh, in general politics. They proactively reached out to a foreign nation and tried selling their wares. And I thought that was egregious and um, extremely awful behavior, traitorous, seditious, um, all the worst things. So it's the, the, the light sentence or rather, I guess, the lightness of the um, the complaint against them a little surprised me. I thought they might have thrown a harder book at them, but maybe just because they were carried along so far by the FBI and that there was no evidence that the foreign nation, you know, did anything with the initial set of data might be why it got a lighter load. But again, they still got 20 years each. I remember what I was going to say. So maybe, maybe after the foreign country looked at all the initial stuff, they gave it to the U.S. as like, I don't know the right way of saying this, but like brownie points or a favor of maybe if it was the shoe on the other foot, maybe the other country was hoping that the United States would come to them if somebody were defecting and giving their information. That was that was one of the things I thought of, too. It's, but, yeah, I, I agree with you on, on everything else. I mean, a lot of the stuff we're talking about is speculation, but it's such a, such an interesting case. And you don't often have cases where you have all the communication back and forth between the criminal and law, well, law enforcement in this case, but it was, they thought it was the other country and it just made for a really, really great episode. I thought, so I hope you enjoyed that. If you are just joining us and you haven't checked out any of our resources, please do visit our website. It's e crime bites, E C R I M E B Y as in yellow milk. TES.com. And if you're watching this on video, well, let's see, I'm pointing to it somewhere right there. Yeah, there there's is. our website that I stuck it right up there. It's kind of hard when you're reversed and stuff, but we hope that uh, you join us over on our website. We've got all our social media accounts linked there, all our videos, all our audio, like everything is there. Just go across the top if you're in a 
desktop web browser and we've got everything linked. If you're on your phone, it looks slightly different. There's like a little drop down hamburger, like a three line thing where you click on it. And basically you'll then get that menu that I'm talking about. That's normally across the top. If you're on a desktop web browser and just have fun, we've got a glossary in there. We've got newsletters. We've got all tons of stuff. So hope to see you over there and we hope to see you on our next episode. Uh, thanks for joining us and see you then. Bye. Thank you all.